Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm very excited to introduce to you today uh, Jess. And Jess is li currently living in Japan. That's the first person from Japan that I've had on the podcast. So, Jess, if you just want to introduce yourself, tell all of our listeners and viewers who you are, where you're from, and the sort of things you do. Yes, so my name is Jesslyn Randall. I am currently living in Japan, Okinawa specifically, because my husband is in the military, so he got stationed here. I'm, a, I'm originally from Southern California, so I'm a Cali girl, and uh, I am a carnivore. I eat only meat, I love to work out, and I'm really active. I love, we go spearfishing and hiking and camping, all that stuff. That's great. So let's uh, let's join into your journey then. Take us through it. I'm presuming you didn't start off as carnivore. There's been a journey there from from uh, whether it be childhood or, or adulthood or whatever it is. Take us to the very start of where you began. So growing up, I always had a lot of health issues, specifically gut issues. For a huge chunk of my life, I suffered from really bad constipation to where I was only going to the bathroom like three to four, every three to four weeks. Um, so it was pretty uh, awful. And <laughs> then when I was 19 years old, I realized that I couldn't have gluten. So I cut gluten out of my diet and it helped a little bit, but I still had gut issues. I still had really bad acne. I still had mood issues and anxiety and like body dysmorphia just mental things and then my husband showed me the sean baker joe rogan podcast in jan and i started carnivore january 2020 after listening to that podcast and kind of never looked back after that i lost 20 pounds my skin cleared up my gut issues went away uh my mood issues went away and it's just been really awesome. I haven't really had a bad experience with it. <laughs> I lucked out because some people have a, a pretty hard transition period, but my transition pretty, period was pretty smooth and I don't really have any complaints about it. Uh, I usually say to people that not to change nutrition overnight, you know, have a good transition period. So you say yours was a good transition period. So was that a case of you just sort of all of a sudden dropped the carbohydrates and dropped everything you was eating and switched straight over to the carnivore nutrition? Or did you find yourself having to have a week of going back and forth with things? So and before carnivore, my diet didn't really consist of a ton of carbs, a ton of uh, breads and things like that. I ate mostly rice and I did eat a lot of veggies and a lot of fruit, so, and then lean meat. So my diet was not going from sad to carnivore, so I think that helped a lot too, but I did go, when January hit, I did go to carnivore pretty uh, cold turkey, but after that month, we would have like weekends, cheat meals on the weekend, and things like that, so I regressed in that way. And then my health issues started coming back. So then I was more motivated to become more strict uh, and not have those cheat meals. And now I, if I have something that I, I drink coffee still, so that's basically the only thing that's in my diet that's not carnivore. But other than that, I don't really have cheat meals. I'll take a sip of my husband's uh, 
caramel macchiato or something every now and then, but I'm not eating like full on non-carnivore meals anymore. Just pretty strict. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting you say that because I'll often say to people that, especially when they first change over, changing the nutrition to whether it be keto or carnivore or something similar to that, then often say, make sure you can find your baseline, which is, is basically what you did. You found your baseline, which is carnivore. And then maybe with your cheat weekends, tried to add things back in and it didn't kind of work. Your health issues came back. So then it makes sense just to stay carnivore. Some people can add things back into their nutrition. Um, some people find it very, very difficult, especially if you've had um, digestive issues, skin problems, health issues in, in the past. So was it really a case of, trying to get on top of all your issues or did you do it for um you wanted to lose a bit of fat you wanted to lose a little bit of body weight was that was that why you initially went into it yes i was attracted to carnivore for its weight loss potential uh because i always had just from my gut issues and just my digestion my digestive issues i always had about 20 extra pounds of fat specifically around my stomach my entire life and I was always around 150 since middle school until I started carnivore. I, I was 150 to 155 pounds and I'm 5'5". Five five. So I wasn't obese, but I was, uh, you could tell I was overweight. I had weight to lose. And I, no matter how much I worked out, I could never lose it. I was so frustrated. So I did do carnivore to try and help me lose weight. And I had no idea that it would also uh, heal my gut, heal my skin, heal my my mental issues, and just basically turn me into a different person. I literally feel like a completely different person than I was before because it it cleared my head, makes me feel amazing. Uh, it, it really sounds too good to be true, but it's when you eat a proper human diet, it it really allows you to thrive. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And there is quite a lot of people out there still on those processed foods and still having lots of carbohydrates. So what would your recommendations to those kind of people be before they go carnivore? Like say, potentially you can't turn carnivore overnight. You have to have the period of going through, whether it be keto, paleo, or just limiting your carbohydrates a little bit and just doing strategically. So what would your advice be to somebody who says, right, I want to try carnivore and I want to try it tomorrow. How do I go about it? So, yeah, and I totally agree that a trans slow transition is a good approach. Um, some people do think that if you are more addicted to things that cold turkey is better, the better approach, but I, I definitely um, think the slow transition helps from people avoiding the negative like diarrhea and things like that that can come along with it so but my advice would be to cut out seed oils out of your diet and cut out processed foods and incorporate more real whole foods into your diet and more meat and fill try to fill up on meat and prioritize meat and then if you're still hungry and you still want the fruit and the vegetables and things like that then add that but make sure it's real food, not in a package, not um, that you can call and get it delivered to your door. Um, and I think that would make people feel so much better than they do now if they just do those two things, no seed oils, no processed food. 
Exactly, yeah, just jump straight into real food. I mean, you can do that overnight. Anybody can do that overnight. It doesn't need a transition period to go into real food. So that's a, a great first step that anybody can take. And then you can refine it from there. Like you say, you want to go full carnivore, you can take steps to go down that road. But why carnivore then? Why is it the fact that we need more meat in our nutrition? We, we, as humans, we thrive on meat. Is it due to the fact that it's just the way we're built? Or is there actually nutrition in meat rather than in fruits, vegetables, and carbohydrates? Well, I think that it's just the fact that meat is the most bioavailable thing a human can eat. And that's just how it happens to be. Uh, when you're eating fruit and vegetables and the package says it has this amount of nutrients in it, when you're actually eating it, by the time your body breaks it down and uh, changes it into something that it can use, you're not getting as many of those nutrients. Whereas meat, it is the most bioavailable thing you can eat. So you, you eat it and your body can directly absorb it and use those things inside of it. So I just think that we definitely evolved that way. We evolved eating meat. So meat is how, what we still need to eat. Cause you're, I think, uh, I forget who it was, but they were talking about how, if, if the whole entire existence of humans was a year, then we've only been eating um, like agriculture type foods for like a day or something like that. And then like only eating processed foods for like eat part of the day. It's like something really ridiculous like that to where if you take the whole grand scheme of things into consideration, we have been eating meat for the majority of our time as humans. <laughs> so these other things aren't what our bodies are used to. And you can't just like expect your body to be able to adapt that quickly. That's not how, that's not how the world works. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then that's a great way to put it like that. It helps people to understand that yes, evolution does work but it just doesn't happen that quickly we do we are not able to adapt that quickly in such a short space of time hundreds of years basically is when processed foods and vegetables and things have started to come into our nutrition when you're talking about hundreds of years as opposed to hundreds of thousands going up to millions of years of evolution of human evolution the way that we've hunted animals and ate meat and gone through all of our biological evolution has taken a lot of time and you cannot change something like that in like you say hundreds of years which equates to a little part of the day if you break it into a whole year that's great um so when you are actually on get so and sorry if, and if you think of it that is just your grandma like that's just a hundred years ago was your grandma being born or your grandma's mom, you know? So it's like two people away from you. You can't evolve a species with two, two generations away. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it is interesting to think of it that way. If, it, if you just think of your like own family, like, oh, wow. Yeah. A hundred, couple hundred years is not that long. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that can remember their grandmas and their great grandmas and the kind of things they used to eat. And it was, big banquets of meat and it was lots of lard and fat and things like that there was none of this low fat thing coming in there was no processed packaged foods very little anyway so you know that is the kind of nutrition that humans thrive on so we don't have to look back far so we just have to change our modern be it modern 50 years 60 years thoughts about food and about how our body processes food and just like you say look look back to our grandparents that's great um, 
But when you mention carnivore, you, you're a stoic carnivore and you go through your day carnivore, people say, well, what does that actually look like? Could, could you give people a, an idea as to how your day pans out? Yes, yeah, so I usually eat two meals a day. I, if I'm hungrier, I'll have a snack or something, but it's not usually a whole meal. So I never really have more than three meals a day. And I typically eat around 10, 11 a.m. And I'll have burgers, chicken wings, eggs, uh, usually some type of beef for the most part with something else. And then for dinner, it'll be the same thing, usually some sort of beef with something else, <laughs> with a side of something else, maybe lamb, uh, shrimp, and uh, what else would I eat? I don't know, lamb, shrimp, chicken, beef. I think those are the main ones that I eat. Every once in a while, we'll get, we'll get something uh, exotic, like we had goat and we tried camel, but just for the most part, we stick with the, the primary <laughs> forms of meat. Camel, what was camel like? <laughs> camel? Yeah, camel was actually pretty boring. It, I was, yeah, I was, kind of, I was kind of let down with that. Um, I, I dry brined it because I heard that it can be hard to cook and if you don't cook it correctly, it can be uh, come out a little weird. So I dry brined it and then cooked it and it just tasted like chicken like <laughs> it was like the the chicken of red meat like it didn't really have a strong flavor it was really lean uh, i think i do think that camel jerky would be really really good though um but the camel steak uh, i i don't want to eat it again it was just kind of boring <laughs> it wasn't satisfying <laughs> perhaps not enough fat in there to make it too tasty yeah <laughs> no, definitely not so uh, people often veer away from the carnivore diet because it, it puts them off the thought of eating all these meats. And people have a, a sort of a look on it as to say, well, it must be expensive and you must have to go for the best kind of meats, the best quality meats. There's all this grass-fed, organic, and all this kind of thing out there in the carnivore space. But does that really have to be the case? Or can you be carnivore on very, very cheap nutrition, very, very cheap meat? I think so. I buy meat from the, the grocery store. Uh, what we have access to is the U.S. commissary here and like local butchers in the area. So we're not really able to get grass fed. Like I live on a tiny island. Like there's not going to be a ton of like grass fed, grass finished local uh, people here raising cows and stuff. So I just eat what I have access to. When I do go back to the United States, I do want to try grass fed, grass finished um, beef. But for right now, yeah, I'm just buying the normal stuff, the cheap stuff, and I am doing pretty good on it. Um, I don't think I, I don't think there's a huge difference when you break it down nutritionally, as far as I'm aware. I think that the biggest benefit that grass fed, grass finished has is that it's better for the environment. And I think that's a really big thing to take into consideration, which is why I would be open to eating it that way. But if you can't afford it, you don't have access to it, just buying meat is still going to be a much better option than 
uh, buying a pizza or eating pasta, something like that. Yeah, that's great. It's, it, it, it does put people off thinking they have to buy the best meat when they don't. They could go to their local grocery store and just buy the cheapest ground beef they can find, the cheapest cuts. Often the cheapest cuts are quite nutritious anyway. They're quite full of fat because if you are changing your nutrition from a carb-heavy type of nutrition, then you do need to introduce plenty of fat. There can be people that try to do carnivore or try to do a keto-style nutrition and they don't introduce enough fats and good fats at that. So earlier on, you spoke about seed oils. Um, why should we get those out of our nutrition? They are a type of fat. They are what, what are called polyunsaturated fats. And although our body still is able to process polyunsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats come along with, with animal foods as well, why are these seed oils so bad? Well, so it's how they make the seed oils and then what happens when we heat them up again and use them in food. So it's just a really, it's a really gross process. Have you ever watched a video of how they make seed oils? It's disgusting. It, it's like sludge. It's gross. Uh, and so, and then you have to do this whole um, process and then they have to bleach it and then they have to take the smell out of it and then they have to um, change it. And it's, it's a lot. I don't know the specifics, obviously, but um, just, and then they heat it up really. So they heat it up and then when you use it in your food and you're reheating it, it's already like spoiled and then you're heating it again. So then you're spoiling it again and then you're consuming it. So it's just a whole mess of not good things going in your body. <laughs> and then since I think the structure too, like the molecular structure of the polyunsaturated versus saturated fat, uh, when it's heated up, it like breaks apart and it's not very good. I don't know the whole science behind it, but <laughs> I do, I do know that it's not great. It used to be like engine lubricant and now we're using it in our food and we used to use animal fat and we were a lot healthier as a, a nation and a world. And now there's a lot of sketchy things going on. And there's only a couple of things that changed within the last like a hundred years <laughs> and, and seed oils is one of them. Yeah. Like you say, I can elaborate a little bit. It's the oxidization process of all the molecular structure, which is the poly unsaturated fats that are in there and not just that but it's the overconsumption of it as well because it's in most processed foods nowadays you look at the back of a packet and the ingredients list a lots of things that you buy from the supermarket that have ingredients lists will say some kind of vegetable oil or seed oil in them so you're consuming it all of the time and then when your body oxidizes it and breaks it down like you say breaks down the molecular structure of it finds it really really hard to be able to turn into energy or anything like that. When we eat saturated fat, it is so easy for the body to turn into triglycerides, which inevitably end up as energy, and we can use that energy a lot more efficiently instead of having the polyunsaturated free radicals going around our body destroying our cells. That's basically what it does. So nobody wants to eat anything that destroys anybody's cells. Now we need to keep our, all of our cells happy, and they can divide, and they can reproduce and be better cells in the future. So to, carrying, carrying on from that, when you spoke about what you ate in a day, you said potentially you don't eat until 10 o'clock or, or 11 o'clock. Is that something that you've 
kind of gotten used to? Or do you do that mindfully? You make sure that you have time from eating. I don't do it on purpose. I, so I used to do intermittent fasting and I would fast, or I, would, I would eat between noon and six and then I would fast the rest of the time. And when I was doing that, obviously it was intentional, but now I just eat when I'm hungry and stop eating when I'm full. And in the morning when I wake up, if there, if I do have a day where I'm feeling hungrier around eight or nine, I'll eat sooner. But just on average, I usually get hungry around 10, 11. If I'm working, I'll get distracted and won't realize that it's already noon and then I'll go make myself something. So uh, I don't, I don't have a planned time of when I eat. It just kind of happens. And then I typically eat only twice a day. Yeah, that, that's really, really good because people as well, when they come into the carnivore nutrition or, or even a keto nutrition, when they're changing their nutrition, they think that they have to add in things like intermittent fasting straight away. You know, if, if you're changing your nutrition, you're getting more fat into your diet. So the idea is to intermittent fast to let that happen. But sometimes it's not always a good thing. You can change too many things in one go. So the best idea, like you say, is if you're changing your nutrition, just stick with that. Let that happen. Your body will adapt. And then if you go into intermittent fasting later on, potentially you'll do it by mistake, if it was. <laughs> you'll find yourself just going to dinner time. You'll find yourself just going, skipping a few hours without even noticing it. Because lots of people are used to, let's face it, lots of people are used to four, five, six times of eating in a day. So if you all of a sudden try and stop that and go down to one time or two times, you know, you're going to struggle as well as changing your nutrition. So if you are thinking about changing nutrition, let's do it gradually. Like we say, change nutrition first and then worry about intermittent fasting later if that's something you want to approach. But you don't have to approach it. I think, I think there's too much out there saying that because you're on a carnivore nutrition, because you're on a keto style nutrition, you have to intermittent fast. You don't, especially, especially if you exercise. And I know you exercise. So tell us a little bit about what kind of exercise you do and how your nutrition works within that as well. I do mostly just weightlifting. I cardio, but I'm not a huge fan of cardio. Uh, like most people, I think crazy people like cardio. No. <laughs> but uh, so I will go to the gym probably five times a week on average and just do a normal like gym bro cycle of push, pull, lower body, uh, that type of thing. And right now I'm trying to put on muscle. So I'm just lifting as heavy as I can and just going to, fa to failure and doing progressive overload and making like the really like faces uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and pushing myself really hard. So uh, that's my current gym situation and then my food uh I, I don't I haven't consciously changed anything about what I'm eating with as far as like helping me gain muscle which might be a mistake but I just I just eat what I'm craving and eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full and um I don't track my food either so I don't know if I'm eating more than I was before which is <laughs> not good either for information reasons but um yeah, I so my food, I'm just yeah eating when I'm hungry and then going to the gym and pushing myself as hard as I can. No, that, that's absolutely brilliant because that is the same as what I tell everybody. There's too much counting. 
there's too much macros this, macros the other, calories this, calories that. There's too much of all that because let's face it, if we go back to the guys in our evolutionary past, how many of those scribbled on the wall? How many proteins, uh, fats, uh, macros, you know, calories? Nobody did it because you just listen to your body and listen to what your body was telling you. Um, as well, people add in, when they're doing exercise, they, they add in carbohydrates purposefully thinking that they may gain more muscle, they may be able to push themselves further, but it's not necessarily the case. The body can make as much glucose as it feels necessary, and if you are pushing to the, the high intensity, it will adapt with adequate protein. That's the only thing that potentially, if you want to count anything, I'd say count your protein. Make sure you're getting enough and make sure you're not getting too much. Because mm -hmm. if you're eating the adequate amount of fat, which, which everybody should do on a, on a perfect kind of our nutrition. And, and when I say not counting and eating adequate amounts of fat, what I mean is just eating the meat as it comes. So, so opting for just a steak and leaving the fat on there. Opting for the ground beef, which has the fat already in there. Don't go for the lean cuts and, and don't ask your butcher to chop off all, all the fat. If you're keeping the fat with the protein, you will very, very rarely, um, I've, I've not seen it yet, eat, overeat protein. So it's very difficult to do so because your fat keeps you, keeps you satiated. So hopefully you don't do anything like that where you add in carbohydrates to help your exercise or, or anything like that. That's great. <laughs> no, I just, yeah, no, I just eat meat. I don't add, I don't drink protein shakes or take any supplements or anything like that. Just, just meat. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It sounds like you're, you're in very, very good tune with your body. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I never really uh, had an issue with food addiction or binge eating. I was always, I never had an emotional connection to food to the point where that I couldn't control it. Uh, just, I think it is very common to use food as a way to celebrate things or as a stress relief. If, like if I got a bad grade, I would want to go get ice cream to make me feel better. Like I, I did things like that, but it never controlled me. So when I switched to carnivore, it wasn't difficult for me to give up those things because I had the mentality that food was fuel. It wasn't something that I needed to make me feel good or I needed to, um, for, to celebrate something like it wasn't an emotional thing for me. Food was always just food. Um, so I think that benefited me a lot um, switching and is the reason why I can eat when I'm hungry and listen to my body and I know when I'm full and I can stop. And then if I do have a snack, I can stop myself. I can have one and then be done. So um, I think that that helped a lot, which is interesting because society is we're very connected to our food. Every, like every holiday, it revolves around food. Every celebration revolves around food. Every good thing revolves around food. Every bad thing revolves around food. And that might be something that we need to change. <laughs> or we just need to change the better food that it's revolved around. <laughs> yeah, that but, too. Uh, but there is Christmas coming up. So I'm pleased you mentioned that because lots of people will be saying, how do I incorporate this into my family? How do I go out into social events, be, being a carnivore? How can they approach their lifestyle? I know I've spoken to a lot of carnivores who will say they're kind of like 95% carnivore and they call it an animal-based nutrition, which is, is great. It's what it is. If you want to be 95%, if that helps you, that's brilliant. 
But if some people want to be 100%, how can they convert that into being socializing, going to parties, having family around, things like that? I think that you just need to develop a thick skin uh, if you're going to go 100% because you are going to be around people who try to get you to eat things like you're especially family you always have that one aunt that makes the sweet potato casserole and she wants you to try it and she basically forces it in your face um so i think that you have to just decide that you will put your foot down and you just say no thank you and um not really care if it hurts people's feelings which is going to be hard for some people but i think putting your health and your well-being first is really important um and then if people see you kind of uh, kind of putting these things on your plate to appease other people i think that they're not going to take you as seriously and they're not going to think that you are as serious as you say you are so just eating meat and just being firm and having thick skin and understanding that people will tell you you're killing yourself and will tell you that you're crazy and will argue with you. And yeah, it's going to be, it's an interesting experience. Carnivores are not for, carnivore is not for the weak minded. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I always say you try and lead by example too. You know, if, if people are out there saying, look, you, you know, you're going to kill yourself or, you're eating wrong, it can't, it can't affect you in, in a correct way, then you just lead by example. You do it and you show them that it, that it can, especially like you say, if you've got health issues that, that end up clearing up or if you're looking for optimal performance and you start getting better, you know, or if you're looking to lose body fat, whatever it is, you know, if you start doing it and you start doing it correctly, then you'll soon turn heads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is... It, it, it's not like we're doing something that's crazy either. Even though people do look at us like we're crazy, like we mentioned earlier, we've been doing this for the majority of our time being humans. Like it's, it's crazier to think that we drastically changed our diet to what it is now, what's considered normal now. That should be the, what's crazy is that people are eating fast food every day and car like, 300 however many grams of carbs every day um and sugar and all these things that's what's crazy and and when you look into the research of it too of the story behind why low why low fat diets became so popular and who was behind that and how certain corporations paid certain scientists to come to certain conclusions it's it's meat is eating meat is clearly the right choice and the thing that humans should be doing um and the low fat high carb high sugar thing is not normal <laughs> that's the crazy thing <laughs> yeah somewhere down the line like you say whether it was backed by dollars money pounds whatever you want to say whether it was just ignorance, we, we don't know, but somewhere along the line, we took a wrong step uh, in society and started to focus on low fat, started to focus on whole grains and high carbs and things like that when we should have been focusing on, on meats. That's like, like we said earlier, that's that through the whole of human evolution, that's what we have thrived on as species all the way through is meat. It cannot thrive being vegan, vegetarian. Everybody says, where's the studies? Where's the evidence? 
it's evolution. There's your studies. There's your evidence. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of years. How much more studies and how much more evidence uh, would you like? <laughs> and common sense too, because if you if you think about it, what plant is going to be able to grow all year long? And how many years have we been able to fly in produce from all around the world and that's available at our fingertips all year long that's not a normal thing that's not how people have lived um and that's not how we evolved that is a very new experience for humans um having too much food at their fingertips uh so it just doesn't make sense that we would have we would most of our diet would be around fruits and vegetables when you can't grow those all year long. What are you going to eat? Like you're going to eat meat and you can have meat all year long. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's correct. And you do always get that pushback of, well, humans are omnivores because that's how we've been able to survive throughout all changes in evolution. So we should eat both. We should eat meats and plants because we are, we are omnivores. That's, that's how we're built. Um, what, what's generally your comeback to, to that sort of thing? that people can eat plants if they want. I, I don't, I don't think a plant has ever been a staple of anyone's diet. I think it was, if they were very desperate that they, they would do that. I don't think it was something they relied on or something that they were excited to eat. I'm pretty sure that even on, if you watch reality TV shows where they go out into the wild and they have to hunt their own food and they're so malnourished and starving that they'll go and try to find any sort of animal to eat. It's like your natural instinct is to want an animal, not to want a plant. Uh, so I, I am, fine if people want to eat fruits and veggies but everything that you need is found in animal protein and meat so it's not really necessary as far as i'm aware and i i mean i haven't eaten vegetables or fruit um in any like significant um quantity like maybe like three or four blueberries every like six months or something like that so um it, I'm fine. So I just, I don't think that it's a necessity. I think it's a, a perk if you, if you want to have something a little extra. Yeah. Again, I think it comes back from lots of evolution through the, through the homo sapien trees, because that's how we've been able to colonize the earth. That's why we are the number one species in the whole of the world. It's because we are so adaptable and we can have plants to survive. Let's face it. Carbohydrates do have energy. They can keep us going for a short period of time. But we're talking about optimal here. We're talking about thriving. So if you need to be as best you can be, get rid of all your diseases, get rid, be on your best health, you know, lose that stubborn body fat that you want. If you want to be that optimal that you want to be, then you have to prioritize the animal produce and the meat. Sure, like we said earlier, you can go 100% if you want. You can be 90%. 90% is so much more better than any other diet out there, any other eat as many processed foods, eat all your carbohydrates diet out there. If you can prioritize your meat and your animal produce for 90% of the time, if, you, if you're fine with the rest that are fruit and vegetables and it suits you, then, then great. But you need to understand, like we've said and like we're reiterating, you need to understand everything comes from that meat and that's where you're going to find optimal nutrition. 100%. So is, is there other things then that you add into your lifestyle? Let's talk a little bit about lifestyles. We talked about exercise, 
we talked about listening to your body, maybe doing a little bit of fasting now and again. But do you add in other other things into the, in there too? A bit like like uh, cold therapy, perhaps, or plenty of sunlight, plenty of grounding, maybe other little lifestyle hacks that you found along the way. Yeah, yeah, I I w- was getting really into cold therapy, and then I kind of stopped. But I do like cold therapy and uh, think it's a good idea. Uh, it is really hard to commit to because it's not a fun experience so it's it's definitely a a commitment uh and I do like to ground myself like if I take my dog out to the bathroom there's a little grass patch and I'll just like take my shoes off and walk around on the grass patch whenever it's sunny out here I'll definitely go outside and get up get uh soak up the sun it does rain a lot here so it is cloudy a lot of the times, but whenever it is sunny, I'll go outside, eat breakfast outside. Um, I also have like blue light glasses that I always wear um, if I'm just looking at my phone or um, staring at the computer for a really long time or watching TV, I'll always have my blue light glasses on. Um, what else can you do? I think I think those are all the biohacky things that I do. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And, and sometimes people ask me why I talk about lifestyle as well as nutrition, because I think everything like, like you've just mentioned, there are, other, there are other things like getting plenty of sleep, you know, things like that. It's all about reducing the amount of chronic stress in your life. Um, mm-hmm. these, these things that we talk about can be called acute stressors. And it's just putting your body through a little acute stress every now and then to make it better adapted to your environment. Because there's so many people that just live comfy lives, let's say, in the same temperature, doing the same things, looking at the same screens all of the time, every single day, doing the same thing. So if you push your boundaries a little bit, either there with your cold therapy or taking your shoes off, walking the dog, whatever it may be, it, having longer sleep, you know, is a great one. You know, just push your boundaries with your sleep. Make sure you can get a half an hour here, half an hour there, a little bit longer with your sleep. And they do miraculous things for your lifestyle, not only... Do they help you reduce stress, but they also help you concentrate on your nutrition. That's why I always say nutrition and lifestyle, they go together. So if your lifestyle's wrong, your nutrition is going to struggle. If your nutrition's wrong, your lifestyle's going to struggle. So it's great to concentrate on those other things. And I do, I tape my mouth closed when I sleep too. So I breathe, so I breathe through my nose, which is another weird one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's great. It's been shown to reduce stress again. So this is another stress reliever and it also helps with your respiratory system. So if you are doing lots of cardio exercise, I know you don't do much cardio exercise, but it will help your system be able to breathe more efficiently, taking more oxygen. And let's face it, when you exercise, the one thing that you need is oxygen. So it helps mm-hmm. you to take in more oxygen doing, doing little life hacks like that. So it's great to hear. And it's been absolutely brilliant to talk to you today. Yes, I don't want to keep you all day, um, but I've, I've super enjoyed it. Let's tell everybody where they can follow you, find you, and join in the things that you're doing as well. So my main social media platform is Instagram, and it's just my name, Randall. And then I do have a YouTube that's my name, and then I have a second channel that's called Carnivore Revolution with my friend Serena, and we make carnivore recipes and do interviews and fun things like that. That's great. Everybody likes a can of our recipes. That's super good. (laughs) Thank you very much for talking to us today, Jess. Thanks for having me.